Section 15 of The Vertical City. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Lisa Reichert. The Vertical City by Fanny Hurst. Section 15. Roulette, Part 3. Venture back, will you, to the ice and red of the Russian dawn, when on the snow the footsteps that led toward the horizon were the color of blood, and one woman, who could not keep her eyes ahead, moaned as she fled, prayed, and even screamed to return to her dead in the bullet-riddled horse-trough. Toward the noon of that day, a gray one that smelled charred, a fugitive group from a distant village that was still burning faltered, as it too fled toward the horizon in the blackened village of Vodna, because a litter had to be fashioned for an old man whose feet were frozen, and a mother whose baby had perished at her breast would bury her dead huddled beside the horse-trough over a poor fire she had kindled of charred wood hansha the midwife hansha the drunk they called her fascinatedly in the pale of generations of sober women spied mosher's flung coat and reached for it eagerly with an eye to tearing it into strips to wrap her tortured feet a child stirred as she snatched it wailing lightly and the instinct of her calling the predominant motive Hansha, with her fumy breath, warmed it closer to life, and trod the one hundred and eight miles to the port, with it strapped to her back like a pack. Thus it was that Schmolka, the red twin, came to America, and for the first fourteen years of his life slept on a sour pallet in a sour tenement he shared with Hansha, who with filthy hands brought children into the filthy slums jason she called him because that was the name of the ship that carried them over a rolling tub that had been horrible with the cries of cattle and seasickness at fourteen he was fierce and rebellious and down on the juvenile court records for truancy petty trafficking in burned-out opium vandalism and gang vagrancy in hanch's sober hours he was her despair and she could be horrible in her anger once the court reprimanding her and threatening to take Jason from her because of welts found on his back. It was in her cups that she was proud of him, and so it behooved Jason to drink her down to her palate, which he could, easily. He was handsome, his red hair had darkened to the same bronze of the samovar, and he was straight as the drop of an apple from the branch. He was reckless could turn a pretty penny easily, even dangerously, and spend it with a flip for a push-cart bauble. Once he brought home a plaster of Paris Venus, the Milos one, with the beautiful arch to her torso, of a bow that instant after the arrow has flown. Hansha cuffed him for the expenditure, but secretly her old heart, which since childhood had subjected her to strange, rather epileptical sinking spells, and had induced the drinking, warmed her with pride in his choice. Hansha, with her veiny nose, and the dreadful single hair growing out of a mole on her chin, was not without her erudition. She had read for the midwifery, and back in the old days could recite the bones in the body. She let the boy read nights, sometimes even to dropping another coin into the gas-meter. Some of the books were the lewd penny ones of the Bowery bookstands, old medical treatises, too, purchased three for a quarter, and none too nice reading for the growing boy. 
but there he had also found a les miserables and the confessions of saint augustine which last if he had known it was a rare edition but destined for the ash-pit once he read hansha a bit of poetry out of a furiously stained old volume of verse so fragrantly beautiful to him this bit that it wound around him like incense the perfume of it going deeply and stinging his eyes to tears our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting the soul that rises with us our life's star hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness but trailing clouds of glory do we come from god who is our home heaven lies about us in our infancy shades of the prison-house begin to close upon the growing boy but he beholds the light and whence it flows he sees it in his joy the youth who daily farther from the east must travel still is nature's priest and by the vision splendid is on his way attended at length the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day but hancha was drunk and threw some coffee-sopped bread at him and so his foray into poetry ended in the slops of disgust a miss manners a society social worker who taught poverty sweet forbearance every tuesday from four until six wore a forty-eight diamond bar-pin on her under bodice on tuesday from four until six and whose grey suede slippers were ever so slightly blackened from the tripping trip from front door to motor and back took him up as the saying is and for two weeks jason disported himself on the shorn lawns of the manor's summer place at great neck where the surf creamed at the edge of the terrace and the smell of the sea set something beating against his spirit as if it had a thousand imprisoned wings there he developed quite a flair for the law-books in judge manners's laddered library miss manners found him there reading on stomach and elbows his heels waving in the air judge manners talked with him and discovered a legal turn of mind and there followed some veranda talk of educating and removing him from his environment but that very afternoon jason did a horrid thing it was no more than he had seen about him all his life not as much he kissed the little pigtailed daughter of the laundress and pursued her as she ran shrieking to her mother's apron that was all but his defiant head and the laundress's chance knowledge of his juvenile court record did for him at six o'clock that evening with a five-dollar bill of which he made a spitball for the judge's departing figure down the station platform he was shipped back to hansha secretly he was relieved life was easier in the tenement under the shadow of brooklyn bridge the piece of its arch which he could see from his window was even beautiful a curve of a stone into some beyond that night he fitted down into the mould his body had worn on the pallet sighing out satisfaction environment had won him back on the other hand in one of those red star-spangled passions of rebellion against his fetid days he blindly cut hancha with the edge of a book which struck against her brow as he hurled it she had been drunk and had asked of him at sixteen because of the handsomeness that women would easily love in him 
to cadet the neighbourhood of grand street using her tenement as his refuge of vice and herself as sharer of spoils the corner of the book cut deeply and pride in her terror of him came out redly in her bloodshot eyes in the short half-term of his high school training he had already forged ahead of his class when he attained the maturity of working papers he was plunging eagerly brilliantly in fact into a rapid translation of the iliad fired from the very first line by the epic of the hexametered anger of achilles and stubbornly he held out against the working papers but to hansha they came with the inevitability of a summons rather than an alternative and so for a year or two he brought home rather precocious wages from his speed in a canning factory then he stoked his way to sydney and back returning fiery with new and terrible oaths one night hansha died he found her crumpled up in the huddle of her skirts as if she had dropped in her tracks which she had in one of the epileptic heart strictures it was hardly a grief to him he had seen red with passion at her atrociousness too often and somehow everything that she stood for had been part of the ache in him yet it is doubtful if released of her he found better pasture bigger pastures it is true in what might be called an upper stratum of the lower east side although at no time was he ever to become party to any of its underground system of crime inevitably the challenge of his personality cleared the way for him at nineteen he had won and lost the small fortune of thirty-three hundred dollars at a third-class gambling resort where he came in time to be croupier he dressed flashily wore soft collars was constantly swapping sporty scarf-pins for sportier ones and was inevitably the centre seldom part of a group then one evening at cooper union which stands at the head of the bowery he enrolled for an evening course in law but never entered the place again because the next night in a fourteenth street cabaret with adjacent gambling rooms he met one who called herself winnie ross the beginning of a heart-sickening end there is so little about her to relate she was the colour of cloyed honey when the sugar granules begin to show through pale pimply in a fashion the powder could cover up the sag of her facial muscles showed plainly through as if weary of doling out to the years their hush money and she was quite obviously down at the heels literally so because when she took them off her shoes lopped to the sides and could not stand for tipsiness she was jason's first woman she exhaled a perfume cheap tickling chewed some advertised tablets that scented her kisses and her throat when she threw up her head had an arch and flex to it that were mysteriously graceful life had been swift and sheer with winnie she was very tired and paradoxically enough it gave her one of her last remaining charms her eyelids were freighted with weariness were waxy white of it and they could flutter to her cheeks like white butterflies against white and lay shadows there that maddened jason she called him red although all that remained now were the lights through his browning hair almost like the flashings of a lantern down a railroad track she pronounced it with a slight trilling of the r and if it was left in her of half a hundred loves to stir on this swift descent of her lifeline 
she did over jason partly because he was his winged hermes self and partly because because it was difficult for her rather fagged brain to rummage back thus the rest may be told entering her rooms one morning a pair of furiously garish ones over a musical instrument store on the bowery he threw himself full length on the red cotton divan arms locked under his always angry-looking head and watching her through low lids trail about the room at the business of preparing him a surlily demanded cup of coffee her none too immaculate pink robe trailed a cotton-lace tail irritatingly about her heels which slip-slopped as she walked her stockings without benefit of support twisting about her ankles she was barometer for his moods which were elemental and had learned to tremble with a queer exultation of fear before them my red boy blew to-day she said stooping as she passed and wanting to kiss him he let his lids drop and would have none of her they were curiously blue she thought as if of unutterable fatigue and then quickly appraised that his luck was still letting him in for the walloping now of two weeks duration his diamond and opal scarf-pin was gone and the gold cuff-links replaced with mother-of-pearl she could be violently bitter about money and when the flame of his personality was not there to be reckoned with ten times a day she ejected him with a venom that was a psychosis out of her further toleration not so far gone was winnie but that she could count on the twist of her body and the arch of her throat as revenue-getters at first jason had been lavish almost with a smack of some of the old days she had known spending with the easy prodigality of the gambler in luck there was a near-seal coat from him in her cupboard of near silks and the flimsy wooden walls of her rooms had been freshly papered in roses then his luck had turned and to top his sparseness with her this new sullenness which she feared and yet which could be so delicious to her reminiscently delicious she gave him coffee and he drank it like medicine out of a thick-lipped cup painted in roses my red boy blue she reiterated trying to ingratiate her arms about his neck red boy tells winnie he won't be back for two whole days and then brings her surprise party very next day red boy can't stay away from winnie let go red boy bring winnie nothing not little weeny weeny nothing drawing a design down his coat sleeve her mouth bunched suddenly he jerked her so that the breath jumped in a warm fan of it against her face you're the only thing i've got in the world win my luck's gone but i've got you tell me i've got you he could be equally intense over which street car to take and she knew it but somehow it lessened for her none of the lure of his nervosity and with her mind recoiling from his pennilessness her body inclined tell me winnie that i have you you know you have she said and smiled with her head back so that her face foreshortened i'm going far for you winnie gambling is too rotten and too easy i want to build bridges for you practice law corner wall street this last clicked once she said lying back with her pupils enlarging with the fleeting memories she was not always alert enough to clutch once once when i lived around central park a friend of mine vice-president he was 
well never mind he was my friend it was nothing for him to turn over a thousand or two a week for me in wall street this exaggeration was gross but it could feed the flame of his passion for her like oil i'll work us up and out of this i've got better stuff in me i want to wind you in pearls diamonds sapphires i had a five thousand dollar string once of star sapphires trust me winnie help me by having confidence in me i'm glad my luck is welching it'll be lean at first until i get on my legs but it's not too late yet win if only i have someone to stand by me to believe to fight with and for me get me girl believe in me sure always play strong with the cops red it's the short cut to ready money ready money red that's what gets you there don't ask any girl to hang on if it's shy that's where i spun myself dirt many a time hanging on after it got shy oh that's what did for me hanging on after it got shy no no you don't understand for god's sake try to get me winnie fight up with me it'll be lean starting but i'll finish strong for you don't lean on me i'm no wailing wall what's it to me all your highfalutin talk you've been as slab-sided in the pockets as a cat all month don't have to stand it i've got friends spenders there had been atrocious scenes based on his jealousies of her which some imp in her would lead her to provoke notwithstanding that even as she spoke she regretted and reached back for the words i mean i know what you mean he said quietly permitting her to lie back against him and bearing his teeth down at her she actually thought he was smiling i'm not a dead one by a long shot she said kindling with what was probably her desire to excite him no no i can still have the best the very best if you want to know it a political indian with a car as long as this room not mentioning any names is after me she still harboured the unfortunate delusion that he was smiling you thought i was up at ossining this morning didn't you he asked lazily for him he went there occasionally to visit a friend in the state prison who had once served him well in a gambling raid and was now doing a short larceny term there you said you were i said i was yes but i came back unexpectedly didn't i yes red look at me she raised round and ready to be terrified eyes murphy was here last night he cracked at her bang 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 like so many pistol shots why red i you don't lie murphy was here last night i saw him leave this morning as i came in it was hazard pure and simple not even a wild one, because all too easily he could kiss down what would be sure to be only her half-flattered resentment. But there was a cigar-stub on the table-edge, and certain of her adjustments of the room when he entered had been rather quick. He could be like that with her, crazily the slave of who knows what beauty he found in her, jealous of even an unaccountable inflection in her voice. There had been unmentionable frenzies of elemental anger between them, and she feared and exulted in these strange poles of his nature. Murphy was here last night. 
It had happened, in spite of a caution worthy of a finer finesse than hers, and suddenly she seemed to realize the quality of her fear for him, to whom she was everything, and who to her was not at all. "'Don't, Red,' she said, all the bars of her pretense down, and dodging from his eyes rather than from any move he made toward her. "'Don't, Red, don't!' and began to whimper in the unbeautifulness of fear, becoming strangely smaller as her pallor mounted. He was as terrible and as swarthy and as melodramatic as Othello. "'Don't, Red!' she called still again, and it was as if her voice came to him from across a bog. He was standing with one knee dug into the couch, straining her head back against the wall, his hand on her forehead, and the beautiful flexing arch of her neck rising swan-like watch out there was a raw nail in the wall where a picture had hung murphy had kept knocking it awry and she had removed it watch out red no no through the star-spangled red he glimpsed her once where the hair swept off her brow and for the moment to his blurred craziness it was as if through the red her brow was shotted with little scars and pockmarks from glass and a hot surge of unaccountable sickness fanned the enormous silence of his rage. With or without his knowing it, that raw nail drove slowly home to the rear of Winnie's left ear, upward toward the cerebellum, as he tilted and tilted, and the convex curve of her neck mounted like a bow stretched outward. There was little about Jason's trial to entitle it to more than a back-page paragraph in the dailies. He sat through those days that were criss-crossed with prison bars, much like those drowned figures encountered by deep-sea divers, which, seated upright in death, are pressed down by the waters of unreality. It is doubtful if he spoke a hundred words during the lean, celled weeks of his waiting, and then, with a vacuous sort of apathy, and solely upon the advice of counsel. Even when he took the stand, undramatically, his voice, without even a plating of zest for life, was like some old drum with the parchment too tired to vibrate. Women, however, cried over him and the storm in his eyes, and the curiously downy back of his neck, where the last of his youth still marked him. To Sarah, from her place in the first row, on those not infrequent occasions when his eyes fumbled for hers, he seemed to drown in her gaze, back, somewhere. On a Friday at high noon the jury adjourned, the judge charging it with a solemnity that rang up to wise old rafters and down into one woman's thirsty soul like life-giving waters. In part he told the twelve men about to file out, if there has been anything in my attitude during the recital of the defendant's story, which has appeared to you to be in the slightest manner prejudiced one way or another, I charge you to strike such mistaken impressions from your minds. I have tried honestly to wash the slate of my mind clean, to take down faithfully the aspects of this case, which for two weeks has occupied this jury. If you believe the defendant guilty of the heinous crime in question, do not falter in your use of the power with which the law has vested you. If, on the other hand, and to the best of your judgment, there has been in the defendant's life extenuating circumstances, uh, a limitation of environment, home influence, 
close not the avenues of your fair judgment did this man in the kind of uh, a frenzy he describes and to which witnesses agree he was subject deliberately strain back the ross woman's head until the nail penetrated if so remember the law takes knowledge only of self-defence on the other hand ask of yourselves well did the defendant in the frenzy which he claims had hold of him when he committed this unusual crime know that the nail was there would winnie ross have met her death if the nail had not been there gentlemen in the name of the law solemnly and with a fear of god in your hearts i charge you it was a quick verdict three hours and forty minutes not guilty in the front row there with the titillating folderols on her bonnet and her hand at her throat as if she would tear it open for the mystery of the pain of the heartbeat in it sarah turkletaub heard and hearing swooned into the pit of her pain and her joy her son with brackets of fatigue out about his mouth was standing over her when she opened her eyes the look of crucifixion close to the front of them mother he said pressing her head close to his robes of state and holding a throat straining quiver under his voice i i shouldn't have let you stay it was too much for you it took her a moment for the mist to clear i son did somebody strike hit strange i i must have been hurt son am i bleeding and looked down clasping her hand to the bosom of her decent black silk basque son i it was a good verdict not i couldn't have stood it if if it wasn't i something it was good not yes mother yes don't don't let that boy get away son i think those tempers i can help him you see i know how to handle somehow i yes mother only now you must sit quietly promise me son you won't let him get away without i see him yes dear only please now a moment quiet you see the judge was very tired and looking down at the spot where her hand still lay at her bosom as if to press down a hurt the red of her same obsession shook and shook him somehow it seemed to him too that her dear heart was bleeding end of roulette end of the vertical city by fanny hurst